Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Marlbrook Baptist Church. Good to see each and every one of you that have came to be with us this morning. We're going to start our service with a Bible reading, reading a passage of Scripture. For the past few weeks, past couple of weeks, and then again today, we're looking in the book of Acts about how God took the gospel to the Gentiles. And now I'll talk more about this when we get in the message, but nowadays we kind of take it for granted that the gospel is available to us, but at that time it wasn't available. It wasn't readily accessible. And so we saw how God worked in Peter's life to bring that to pass. Well, today we're going to read in Ephesians chapter number 2, uh, verse 11 down through verse number 19, where Paul talks uh, about the importance of this fact that God took the gospel to the Gentiles. And so we're going to read starting in verse number 11 uh, down through verse number 12. The Bible says there in Ephesians 2 verse number 11, Wherefore remember that ye being in, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Drop down to verse number 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. There was a time when we as Gentiles were afar off. The gospel wasn't available, but God has made it available. And because of that, uh, we... Uh, our fellow citizens with God. Boy, I tell you what, I thank the Lord that he brought the gospel to us. And we'll be looking at that a little bit more when we get to the message. Let's open the service in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have, uh, Lord, to be able to gather in your house. And, Lord, we thank you for the, the uh, ability that we have, uh, Lord, to broadcast the service so that, Lord, those who are at home are also able to worship with us. And, Lord, we thank you for every person that is joining our service today, Lord, whether they're in person or uh, watching the live stream, Lord, we thank you for each and every one of them. Lord, we pray that, Lord, you will work in the service today. Lord, I pray that you will bless the singing, uh, the specials, uh, the sermon. Lord, I pray that everything that is done today, uh, Lord, will challenge our hearts. It will encourage us. Uh, and, Father, Lord, it will make us uh, to be the Christians you would have us to be. Father, thank you for this privilege and opportunity. Bless the service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This time, Brother Randy's going to come and lead us in a congregational song. All right, let's all stand together. And you've got your hymn book there if you want to use it. It's 532, or the words will be on the screen to end times like these. <laughs>
Amen. Amen. All righty, just before you sit down, be sure to turn around, wave at each other, say hello. Let each other know that you're glad to see you in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Got a couple of things that I want to announce uh, before we take up the offering this morning just to keep you up to date with what is going on. First of all, uh, through the end of this month, our service schedule will continue as it is now. Uh, so we'll have the 11 o'clock worship service, 6 o'clock evening service, and a prayer and Bible study on Wednesday nights. Uh, we will continue that through the end of this month. Uh, Lord willing, uh, if nothing has changed uh, by the end of this month, uh, the first Sunday in February, we will be uh, beginning our Sunday school. And now... Uh, in the last time when we started our Sunday school, uh, we started uh, kind of a combined adult and a combined children's. Uh, this time I'm planning, Lord willing, if everything goes as it should, uh, to be going ahead and opening up all of our Sunday school classes uh, the first Sunday in February. And so uh, that's what we're hoping to do. Uh, whenever we combined everybody, our thinking was that there was less area to sanitize. Uh, but now with the fogger, it's a lot easier uh, to go through the building. I can fog the whole building in about 20 minutes if I take my time. Uh, it's pretty easy to fog everything and so it makes it easy to sanitize all the rooms and by having all the Sunday schools going, uh, we spread people out better and so we're able to not have as many people in one space and so Lord willing, uh, the first Sunday in February we will be starting Sunday school back up so looking forward uh, to that. Also speaking of Wednesday evenings, uh, we've made some changes to Wednesday nights and so uh, Wednesday nights uh, for whatever reason uh, can sometimes become more of a burden than they are a blessing. It's midweek, we're tired, and Wednesday nights can become a bit of a burden. We don't want to admit that, but we can tell by how many people attend that Wednesday nights are more of a burden than they are a blessing because folks just aren't itching to come on Wednesday night. And so uh, we wanted to change up the format to make the Wednesday night service a service that was more relaxed, a service that was more refreshing. Uh, so we've changed up the format this past Wednesday. was the first time that we tried it. Uh, I don't know if there was anyone that didn't like it. The only feedback I have gotten so far has been positive, though, so I'm happy about that. But uh, uh, we took and what we did is um, we just had a time of sharing and so we shared our uh, praise our prayer request and things like this uh, then after that we went directly into the Bible study uh, going through the book of Genesis and at the end of the Bible study we closed with a season of prayer and so that was what the service consisted of I brought myself up a table and I just sat here in front of you and uh, taught the lesson and uh, when I get here behind the pulpit it's like I get into a groove. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed that. It's like I get into a, into a comfort zone and, and it always comes out the same. And so by forcing myself to sit down, it forces me to slow down and forces me to do a better job. And, of course, as a pastor, as a preacher, I think it's always important that I be constantly developing myself. The, the day I think that I've arrived and that I'm uh, everything that I ought to be is the day I need to quit. And so I think that uh, I should always be learning and developing and by teaching in a different format helps develop me and helps make me a better teacher. It forces me to slow down and prepare my material. So uh, we are uh, doing this on Wednesday nights for two reasons. One, to help develop me as a better Bible teacher and also to make just a more refreshing and relaxing atmosphere 
atmosphere. Uh, so if you're uh, interested, join us on Wednesday, and I believe that you will enjoy it. Uh, feel free to dress comfortably if you want to bring a cup of coffee with you or a soda, as long as it's got a lid on it. I don't mind, and uh, you can just be able to relax, uh, and hopefully Wednesday nights will be a time of refreshing, that you go away feeling refreshed and ready to finish your week. And so that is what we are doing on Wednesday evenings, at least for a while. Of course, uh, through the end of this month, uh, Pastor Kent and uh, Aiden are taking turns preaching on Sunday nights through the end of this month, and so Aiden will be preaching this evening, uh, so come be a part of that if you can. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention to you was starting Sunday school, and this is something that uh, I talked with, with the deacons about this months ago before we realized what was happening. Uh, so Miss Darlene had faithfully taught uh, her class uh, for years and years and years and years. And when Miss Darlene passed, uh, we were, you know, talking, you know, who do we get to teach this class? What do we want to do with this class? And so we, we proposed making a change to the Sunday school classes. And what the change is, is to combine uh, Miss Bonnie and Miss Darlene's age groups. And so it would be, I think, from 7 to 11, I think is right, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. You combine those two age groups, and then we would split it into a junior boys and a junior girls class. And then uh, Brother Herman would be the, teaching the junior boys, and Mrs. Bonnie would be teaching the junior girls. And so in one way, they would still be one class because uh, if they did any outings or whatever, they would be able to go on those outings together. But in Sunday school, we would be able to focus focus the lessons towards junior boys and focus the lessons towards junior girls. And of course, I've talked with Brother Herman, talked with the deacons, and we were all set to put this in action, and then we just kind of put the brakes on everything instead. And so when we open Sunday school, that will be one change that will be made. Brother Herman and Miss Bonnie are all excited. If you noticed, I barely made it up here in time for church because I was downstairs talking to Herman and Bonnie. They are just all excited about this new uh, division in the class. And so uh, y'all pray for that, that the Lord will bless that as well. Uh, also, we started FBI, the Faith Bible Institute, last Monday night. If you are interested, you're like, you know, I think maybe I'd like to try that, but I don't know. Feel free to come on a Monday night, 6.30 to 9.30. Last week I said 8.30 and all the students tried to leave last week at 8.30. No, 6.30 to 9.30. But feel free to come and just sit in on a class and uh, listen to the lecture and uh, see if it's something that you are interested in. And also last week we introduced the What Do You Wonder website. I do have the stickers. They actually turned out smaller than I thought they would be, but these are uh, magnets, I mean, magnets that you could put on your automobile or somewhere to get the word out about the What Do You Wonder website. If you weren't here when we talked about that last week, uh, just go to whatdoyouwonder.com, and the U is just the letter U, whatdoyouwonder.com. It's an outreach branch of our church website. I believe you would enjoy that. And if you do go there, do me a favor and send me a question just so we can make sure that everything's working the way that it ought to. All right? You could just send me a question about anything. Just send me a question. We'll make sure the system works like it's supposed to. So a few things to keep in mind this morning. All right, if we could have the ushers come forward, we'll get ready to receive our morning offering. As they're coming, do remember to pray for Miss Heather. She is still in the hospital. I talked to her yesterday. They're supposed to be moving her to rehab this week, but continue to keep Miss Heather in prayer. And then also pray for Christy Ramsey. Her uncle uh, passed away this past week, so remember that family as well. Brother Colin, do you mind praying over the offering this morning? Thank you, dear Lord, for the privilege to be in your house. We just pray your, uh, everything done here and honor glorify you as well as our offering. Pray for our offering, the 
those that give for the for the ministries and outreach of our church. Thank you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. this morning. All righty, take your hymn book if you want, and hymn number 51, or the words will be on the screen for Blessed Assurance.
right, just before Pastor John comes this morning, Dave and Brittany's going to come and sing for us. We're going to attempt to do a song this morning, one other hymn book, one of the real faithful songs we've all known for years. It's entitled, uh, I've Got a Mansion. I'm satisfied with just the goodness we love.
Thank you, Brother Dave. Miss Brittany, boy, I tell you what, good job. I've got a mansion. I'm looking forward to that day when I get to go live in that mansion. Amen. Praise the Lord for it. Acts chapter number 11 this morning. Acts chapter number 11. You know, the Lord recorded the book of Acts and incorporated the book of Acts into the Word of God as a sort of manual for the New Testament church. Uh, the book of Acts records the birth of the New Testament church, which accorded occurred at Pentecost, uh, and then the entire book of Acts establishes the New Testament church, what the New Testament church is about, what the New Testament church is supposed to accomplish, which is what we are. And so the book of Acts is a guideline for us to understand what it is that the church is supposed to accomplish. And it's amazing to me as we study through the book of Acts the amount of emphasis uh, that is placed uh, on reaching the lost. Uh, you know, oftentimes when you look at churches nowadays, uh, it seems that the emphasis uh, is on programs, the emphasis is on buildings, the emphasis is on uh, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, community uh, things, and I understand that all those are good and all those have their place, uh, but it seems that there lacks an emphasis uh, on spreading the gospel. But as we look at this manual that God gave us for the church, we will find that His number one emphasis uh, for the church uh, is that they be willing witnesses of him. In Acts 1.8, he said that ye might be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. It is the purpose of the church to saturate the community with the gospel. And so as we continue looking here, uh, as I said, this will be the, the third week that we have looked at this subject uh, of God sending the gospel to the Gentiles. But as we look at this, uh, we get a picture uh, of going through the doors uh, that God has opened for us uh, to share the gospel. And so we're going to look just a little bit uh, at this this morning. As we've seen in the passage from Ephesians, which we read at the beginning of the service, uh, this this historical milestone in history of the church is huge for you and I because we are Gentiles. Our ancestors are those who the Jews were hesitant to take the gospel to. But you know what? I thank the Lord that when He made His will apparent to the Jewish believers there at Jerusalem, that it was His will that the gospel go to the Gentiles, that the gospel go to whosoever will, that they went through the door that God had opened for them. And because of that, you and I have heard the gospel and have been able to accept the Lord as our Savior. So this morning we're going to read in Acts chapter number 11. We're just going to read a few verses out of the passage. We'll be looking at the entire chapter, but we're just going to read a few verses out of the passage this morning and then we'll get into the message. The Bible says there in Acts chapter number 11, starting in verse number 1, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying... And then from verse 5 all the way down through verse number 17... Peter repeats what we learned about last week in chapter number 10. We come to verse number 18. It says, When they heard these things, speaking of the Jewish believers that Peter was talking to, when they heard these things, they held their peace 
and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to come together. Uh, uh, Lord, whether in person or by live stream, Lord, we're able to come together and, Lord, we're able to worship uh, around your word. Now, Lord, as we look uh, at this account uh, of, Lord, you confirming to the Jewish believers uh, that the gospel was to go to whosoever will. Lord, as we look at how they went through the door, that you had opened. And Lord, they began to carry the gospel uh, to all the regions. Father, I pray that you will help us uh, to make application to our day uh, that, Lord, we will be people who will go through the doors that you have opened, uh, that, Lord, we might take the gospel to those uh, that do not know you as Savior. And Father, I'll thank you for it. Bless the message this morning. Bless the service. Be with each person that is here. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in this passage, we watch uh, as these Jewish believers, uh, what I called it was, uh, they go from hesitation uh, to hallelujah. There was a situation uh, that they were hesitant about. Uh, There was uh, some things that were taking place uh, that they were unsure of. uh, But in this passage, we see that because they obeyed God, uh, they went from hesitation uh, to hallelujah. They obeyed God. uh, They did what God wanted them to do and their concerns became a celebration as God revealed without a doubt that his gift of salvation was available to whosoever will. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning and look at the importance of us taking the opportunities that God gives to us and using them to spread the gospel. As we look at this story though, the first thing that is brought to our attention is uh, the concerned elders, the concerned elders. Peter returns to Jerusalem uh, after spending some time with Cornelius teaching uh, him the word of God. We saw in chapter number 10 that Cornelius asked uh, Peter to stay and so Peter stayed for a while and he taught Cornelius and his house some things uh, about the word of God and after some time was spent there, Peter comes back to Jerusalem. Now uh, they did not have the means of communication that we have uh, but the grapevine worked really good back then uh, and it didn't take long uh, after Peter had led Cornelius to the Lord. It didn't take long for word to get back to Jerusalem that Peter had went to the home of a Gentile. He had shared a meal with a Gentile and apparently these Gentiles had believed on the Lord. And so this word comes back to the church there in Jerusalem and the apostles and the Jewish believers who were still concerned about complying with the laws of Judaism and they were felt that in order to be a believer in Christ, you had to adhere to the laws of Judaism as well. They began to consider what Peter had done. They began to talk amongst each other about it. You know, if we could just throw in a little sideline right here. When you don't know all the facts, you often come up with the wrong conclusion. These guys didn't know all the facts of what had taken place. Uh, All they had heard was that Peter went in the house of a Gentile. He was eating with Gentiles uh, and they began to talk with one another and they began to try and determine what was going on. Well, after some time had passed, uh, Peter comes back to Jerusalem. Peter's coming back with a great story to tell. Peter's coming back wanting, rejoicing in what God has revealed to him. Peter is coming back wanting to tell the people how God has opened the door to the Gentiles. He's wanting to tell them about the vision that God gave him. He's wanting to tell them God is doing a mighty thing. But when Peter got back, he didn't come back 
to rejoicing believers. Instead, he came back to some concerned elders. We see here that they were upset with what Peter had done. Now notice, they weren't upset with the fact that Peter had shared the gospel. If you look there in verse number 11, or chapter number 11, excuse me, and um, it says here in verse number 3, here's what they said to Peter. They said, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. They weren't upset that he had shared the gospel. They were upset with how he had went about sharing the gospel. They were afraid that Peter had contaminated himself with his actions. If Peter wanted to preach to the Gentiles, that was one thing. But to share a meal, to enter their home, Peter had gone entirely too far. You know, isn't it interesting how that we tend to create our own rules about how we share the gospel? In verse number uh, 1 down through verse number 3, we see the opposition of the concerned elders. It says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou went in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. For Peter to share the gospel, that was fine. But for Peter to sit down and eat a meal, this was too far. You know what? We tend to create rules about how we do church that are not in the Word of God. We tend to create protocols about how we share the gospel that are not in the Word of God. And what happens whenever someone dares change something that we see as sacred instead of being open to it and recognizing that this could be for the good of the church, this could be for the good of the gospel, we get offended because it's not being done the way that we think it ought to be done when the Bible says nothing about it. these men were creating a barrier. They said, Peter, if you want to preach to the Gentiles, we don't care. But Peter, you can't go to their house. Peter, you can't eat with them. Peter, you can't do these things. When Jesus himself had said, go ye into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Jesus himself in his own life was one who went and ate with publicans and sinners to have an opportunity to share the gospel. Peter was living of the life that Jesus had been an example of. And yet the Jews said, Peter, you can't do it that way. We have built a set of rules. We have built ourselves a set of guidelines. And Peter, you have to fit inside these guidelines. You can't change anything. It doesn't matter how good it is for the gospel. They were opposing what Peter had done. But instead of being offended at their concerns and I imagine Peter was a little took back or maybe he expected this response. I don't know. But instead of being offended, Peter said, guys, just let me explain what took place. You know what? Whenever we do receive opposition for the way that we are serving the Lord, instead of getting offended, take time to explain. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. Peter didn't get offended, but instead he took the time to explain how God had worked in his life and in the life of Cornelius. And the explanation is there in verse 4 down through verse number 17 where Peter explains what took place. And verse 4 down through verse number 17 is a near duplicate 
of the same account in chapter number 10. And because we looked at that in depth last week, I'm not going to take the time to look at the explanation in depth again. Uh, But Peter rehearsed the matter. It says in verse number 4, Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. Now, one thing that I do find interesting about nearly an identical account being in chapter 10 and chapter number 11 is the fact that God is putting some emphasis on what he is doing here. I believe that it would have been sufficient for our understanding of the passage to have used verse number 4 and then went straight to verse number 18. I think that it would have read just fine and we would have understood the context of the passage. Peter explained here, he rehearsed the matter from the beginning, expounded it by order to them and then we could go to verse number 18 and it says when they heard these things they held their peace. I mean it it flows and, and we understand because we read chapter number 10 we understand what Peter told them about but for some reason God found it necessary to record the entire story again. And the reason I think that God found it necessary to record the whole story again is to emphasize the fact that the gospel is available to all. Anytime God repeats himself, it would do us good to listen to what he is saying. And here in Acts chapter number 10 and Acts chapter number 11, he emphasized that the gospel is available to all. As Peter rehearsed to these men how God had worked in his life and in the life of Cornelius, they could not deny the evidence that what had taken place was of God. And in verse number 18, we see their acceptance. Their acceptance. It says there, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Peter said, here's what took place. I was praying. God came to me in a vision. As soon as the vision was over, there were three men at the door. He said, I went down to the three men. We went to Cornelius. Cornelius had had a vision of an angel. I preached. He believed. This is of God. This isn't of me. This is something that God has done in my life. This is something that God has revealed to me. And Peter laid out the facts. And the men listening said, we can't argue with you, Peter. There is no doubt that this... This is from God. The gospel isn't just for the Jews. The gospel is for everyone. And when these men were convinced that God was in it, they were ready to get on board with what God is doing. You know what? There's going to be a lot of things that come our way as society changes, as the world goes on, as different things uh, um, develop in our world. There's going to be things that come along our way. And we're going to be hesitant, and many times rightfully so. But whenever it is clear that God is in it, we need to put our preferences and our traditions aside and be willing to get on board for the glory of God. These men were hesitant, and rightfully so. But once they saw that this was definitely God, they said, we are ready to get on board with what God is doing. And in verse 19 down through verse number 24, we see them going through the door that God had opened to take the gospel to the Gentiles. In verse 19 to 24, we see a concerted effort to to spread the gospel. In verse number 19 it says, 
Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. You remember we studied this several weeks ago, uh, how the persecution came up because of Stephen and the, the Christians scattered all over uh, trying to avoid the persecution. That's what this is talking about. Uh, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch. So these are Christians who have been driven out of Jerusalem because of the persecution. They went to Phenis, Cyprus, and Antioch, and they preached the word. But catch what it says there in that last phrase. They preached the word to none but unto the Jews only. So they're in provinces, they're in areas uh, that have Gentiles, uh, and they are Christians, but they're only preaching to the Jews. Uh, but then we come to verse number 20, and it says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Uh, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, uh, and turned unto the Lord. Now we cannot say for sure, but just reading the passage, uh, it seems uh, that between verse number 19, which is speaking of what happened back when they were first persecuted uh, to verse number 20 which is talking about what is happening presently uh, it seems that these men uh, who were in Phenis, Cyprus and Antioch uh, heard that Peter had been preaching to the Gentiles uh, they had only been preaching to the Jews but Peter's preaching to the Gentiles uh, so they also uh, began preaching to the Gentiles uh, and the Bible says they preached the Lord Jesus uh, and it says uh, in verse number 21 and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed believed and turned unto the Lord. So revival is starting to break out as these men begin to preach unto the Gentiles. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. So we see here that the church has just talked with Peter. They've heard Peter's story. They've agreed that God is in this, that God is working in Peter. And as they're still talking about this and figuring out what God has done, they get word through that grapevine again that just worked really, really well. They get word through the grapevine that there are some preachers in some Gentile areas who are preaching and Gentiles Gentiles are coming to the Lord. It becomes obvious that God had opened the door. You know, if there's nothing else that we can get from this passage, we can get this, that it is not us that furthers the cause of Christ. It is God that furthers the cause of Christ. It was God that opened the door to the Gentiles. It was God that moved on the hearts of the men to preach. The church at Jerusalem, who at that time would have been the main church or the mother church or the central location that the churches were being built out of, however you want to look at it. The church at Jerusalem to this point had not done anything about reaching the Gentiles and God was starting revival all throughout the Gentiles. We need never get the idea that we are the ones who are accomplishing things. We need to understand that God is accomplishing and He's invited us to be along for the ride. And it would do us good whenever God is moving to jump on the wagon and go with him. We see here that a word came to the church in Jerusalem that there were other preachers who were preaching to the Gentiles, but the church's attitude has changed. In verse number 1, down through verse number 3, they were opposing this. But here in verse number 22, we see that their, their attitude has changed because when they heard of this revival, it says, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, 
For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. I see three things that the church in Jerusalem did to further the work that God had started with Peter. First of all, in verse 19, down through verse number 22, I see evangelism taking place. We see here that the church in Jerusalem, when they heard about what God was doing, when they saw the opportunity, they sent out a preacher to help with the spread of the gospel. They sent Barnabas and said, Barnabas, Go to Antioch. There are people listening. There are people getting saved. There are preachers doing the work of God. Barnabas, go to Antioch. They sent a preacher out to help with the spread of the gospel. We see that they sent Barnabas to preach and teach the word. You know, everyone at the church in Jerusalem couldn't go. There was a need for people to stay in Jerusalem and continue the work there in Jerusalem, reaching the people in Jerusalem, preaching uh, to the Jews in Jerusalem the truth of the Messiah. There was a need for them to stay in Jerusalem, but there was also a need for Barnabas or someone to go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. What we see here in chapter number 11, what we see taking place is the beginning of what we now call our missions program. You see... God's called us to Rafine, Virginia. This is where we're at. This is the people we're supposed to reach. This is the community that we're to saturate with the gospel. This is the place that God has planted us. But God told us uh, that as a church, uh, it was our responsibility to take the gospel uh, not only to our community, but to the surrounding communities uh, and even into the uttermost parts of the world. This is what God has commanded us as a church to do. So how do we do that? the same way the church in Jerusalem did right here in chapter number 11 when they said, Barnabas, there are some good things going on in Antioch and we need a preacher to get up there and start preaching to those Gentiles. God has opened the door. We need to start preaching to them. And so they provided what Barnabas needed. They provided his finances. They provided whatever horse or donkey or chariot, whatever they gave him. They provided him what he needed and got him set up so he could go to Antioch and do the work of the Lord while they stayed in Jerusalem doing the work of the Lord. Out here on our wall. We have, I think it's uh, 40 uh, different boards with missionaries. Brother Ted knows he built all those boards. I think there's 40 of them uh, uh, that have different missionaries. Uh, And these are people uh, who are going to areas uh, and places uh, that you and I aren't able to go while we're here. But what we do uh, is we uh, support these people. Uh, We send these people out uh, so they can take the gospel uh, into doors that God has opened uh, and they can spread the gospel uh, and as we support them financially Financially, uh, and as we support them with encouragement uh, and friendship uh, and correspondence uh, and we send these people out uh, into the uttermost parts of the world, uh, we are accomplishing the Great Commission. You see, there's a mistake that many churches make. And they get the mindset that they're only to minister here to us that are here. And they never take the gospel outside the walls of the church. But not only that, there are churches 
who become so focused on their own community that they never get involved in sending people into the other areas that God has opened for them. And so I praise the Lord that we are part of a church that has 40 people going into different areas and different places and taking the gospel. And I think that a healthy church is a church whose missions program is continually growing, who the people of the church are continually giving to provide the funds so that the church can send more people out and more people out and more people out so that this church has a part in spreading the gospel over the entire world. Here in Acts chapter number 11 in our manual for how the church is supposed to operate, we see that the church in Jerusalem launched a missions program. And they sent somebody out to the church. You know, I believe a healthy church is one that supports a lot of missionaries. But I think the healthiest church is the church that is sending people out of their own congregation to go and do the work of the Lord. I thank the Lord that we've got a couple uh, that are part of our church. We have uh, Brother uh, Terry and Miss Lisa's son, Brandon, who is working with the colleges, and we're able to support and help him. And He's family. He's close. We praise the Lord for that. I think of Brother Rick Ramsey, who is who is out of the church. I mean, you can't get more out of the church than Brother Rick. I mean, grew up here, pastored here, and he's gone doing the work of the Lord, and we're able to support him and send him out. I think a church that is sending people out to to do the work of the Lord is the healthiest church. The first thing we see that the church in Jerusalem did was they did some evangelism. They did some missionary work in sending up Barnabas. But then I see in verse 23 and 24 what Barnabas did when he arrived in Antioch. The first thing that he did was some observation. He made some observations in verse 23, who, when he came, speaking of Barnabas, and had seen the grace of God, was glad. Barnabas was a man of God. Barnabas was a man who was full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Barnabas was a man who was interested uh, in seeing people come to know the Lord. Uh, and Barnabas goes to Antioch. Uh, and when he gets to Antioch and he looks at what's going on uh, there in Antioch, uh, he was glad. It was apparent that God was working there in Antioch. There were some people who had already started preaching. Uh, there were some people who had already started getting born again. Uh, and when Barnabas arrived... Uh, he was pleased with what he saw. So we see in Barnabas, first of all, uh, uh, the launch of the missionary program and sending people out. But also in Barnabas, uh, we see some observation taking place, which is something we as a church also do. I believe we accomplish this same observation in our missions program through the prayer letters. We have out here on the wall, we try to update our prayer letters as often as we get them and update those so you can read the prayer letters and see how God is working in the lives of the missionaries and what He's accomplishing in their lives and the people who are being saved and maybe the struggles that they're facing. And we, we can get updates through prayer letters. But we also accomplish this through our missions trips, which I know right now because of COVID, our missions trips have kind of been put on a hold. But Lord willing, if once everything frees up again, we'll be going on missions trips. And one of the 
the reasons that we go on missions trips is so we can see what God is doing. We can go and see what those we have sent out, what is being accomplished. The last missions trip we went on, we went to the Philippines. and Well, actually, I think the teens went to Texas after that. The last one I went on, we went to the Philippines. And there in the Philippines, we saw Brother Roll Tanyato, who we have supported for many, many years. And we went to his church and we seen the church vibrant and full and worshiping the Lord. We went to the nine different churches that he had planted out of his church and we were glad with what we saw. We were able to observe what God was doing and we were able to see that we had had a hand in it. Then he took us over to Brother Randy Guadalupe's and he showed us this church and the Lord gave me the opportunity to preach and people, the living room was full, the porch was full, people standing outside looking in the windows and we were able to preach to the Filipinos and then we went to the next day to see where his burden was. The piece of land God had given him and wanting to build a building we came back and we shared that burden with you. We said, there's a pastor over in the Philippines. He's got hundreds of people who are hungry to hear the Word of God. We can't go to the Philippines. We're here in Rafine. What can we do to go through that open door? And you people, generous, missionary-minded people, gave from the abundance of your heart. And the Lord allowed us to send that money. And Brother Randy Guadalupe was able to build a building we have been able to observe. And because of the observation, we are able to partake in the gospel being preached. There's about a 12-hour time difference between here and the Philippines. I imagine Brother Randy's resting up right now after preaching his heart out. Brother Randy preached this morning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to people that you and I would never have an opportunity to share the gospel with, but because we have partnered with him, we as a church are taking the gospel through the doors that God has opened to us. We see the church in Jerusalem got involved in sending Barnabas as far as helping with the missionary work. They got involved in having Barnabas observe what was going on and then we see that while Barnabas was there, he offered some exhortation. There in verse number 23, it says, "...who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord." Barnabas got there to where this work was going on and he encouraged the preachers. He encouraged the believers. He encouraged the new converts. He encouraged the people to stay faithful. He encouraged the preachers to keep preaching. He encouraged them to learn and grow and continue in the work that God had called them to do. You know, whenever we think of our missionaries and those that we have helped to send out, we need to be busy encouraging them in the work of the Lord. Every Wednesday night we uh, recognize or highlight a missionary. You know what? It'd do us good to develop the practice of definitely praying for them, but develop the practice of sending them a card. If they're, if they're able to receive a text, if they're in the state, send them a text. If they're, if they're able to receive a telephone call, give them a call. Send them a gift. Let them know, hey, we're here. We're praying for you. We're doing more than sending you money. We're encouraging you to stay faithful at the work that God has called you to do. In the end of the chapter, we see that because these Jewish believers obeyed God, they did their part in carrying the gospel through the door that God had opened to them. In verse 25 through 30, we see that a church was established. A church was established because they took the opportunity that God had given them. They could have stayed in Jerusalem. 
They could have stayed adamant about complying to the laws of Judaism. They could have said to Peter, you're wrong, this isn't how God works. And they could have just stayed in Jerusalem. But instead, they saw that God was opening up a door. They took opportunity to go through that door and we see that a church was established. There's two things I see about the establishment of this church. First of all, this church was established according to the Great Commission. You know, there's a lot of folks trying to build a lot of works, but they're not necessarily doing it the way God said. In Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19 and 20, God told us how to, we were to take the gospel. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world Amen. How are we to establish churches? How does the Great Commission teach us to establish churches? By two things, preaching and teaching the Word of God. We preach the gospel uh, uh, to bring men and women under conviction uh, and we teach the Word of God uh, that those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, might grow uh, and develop uh, and become uh, Christians who are also preaching and teaching uh, the Word of God. This uh, is how a church is established. Now we can have other things. We can have other programs. Uh, we can do things that add to that and make a more full service. Uh, but the basis of what is required to establish a church for the Lord Jesus Christ is preaching and teaching. And we see that there was a church established here in Antioch because of preaching and teaching. In verse number 20, we see that those men who were there ahead of Barnabas were preaching the Lord Jesus. Then we see in verse number 26 that Barnabas, Barnabas left for a little bit. He went and got Apostle Paul and he brought Paul back and he and Paul stayed there in Antioch. And it says in verse number 26, And when he had found him, speaking of Barnabas finding Paul, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. We see that this church was established through preaching the Lord Jesus and teaching the principles of the Word of God. And this is how you will always establish a church that will make a difference for the cause of Christ by preaching and teaching the Word of God. Second, I see that the establishment of this church was evidenced through the godly character of the people who were getting saved. We see in verse number 26 that it was evidenced through their testimony. The Bible says there in the end of verse number 26, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now there's been many, many messages preached on that verse of Scripture, so we won't spend a tremendous amount of time there. But I will point out one thing. This wasn't a title that the believers gave themselves. No, this was a title that those who were watching them gave to them. You see, Christ, a Christian means Christ-like. 
And those who were watching the believers in Antioch, those who were watching these Gentiles uh, who were uh, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, considered unreachable, who were considered uh, a people that you couldn't get the gospel to, people who were considered unworthy to preach to, unworthy of our time. Just a few months ago, uh, these people weren't even getting the gospel. Now we see that they have believed and they have learned the word of God to the point that those who watch them say they act just like Jesus Christ. You know what? Oftentimes we like to give ourselves the title of Christian. Someone say, do you go to church? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you, do, do, do you, you interested in the things of God? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. We like to give ourselves that title and say, yeah, I'm, I'm Christ-like. When really it ought not be us giving the title to ourselves but it ought to be whenever people watch our life that they say, those people are like Christ. Our belief in Him ought to be evidenced in our life. We see that this church was evidenced through godly character, their testimony. And then in verse 29 down through verse number 30, we see that this church also evidenced godly character in their generosity. A little times went by. Since, the, since this church was established. And the church gets word that those in Judea, those who originally were against taking the gospel to the Gentiles, those who originally were hesitant about this, uh, are having uh, some financial trouble. And these new believers, uh, this Gentile church uh, in Antioch, uh, look what they do. Then the disciples, the believers, those that are following Christ, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. We see here that these people, they said, we have found out that there are some fellow Christians who are in need and we are going to do our part to help them out. We see that the hand of God is evidenced in this church plant, both in the testimony of these people's lives and also in their generosity in wanting to give to the brethren, to be a help to the brethren, to be an encouragement to the brethren. We see here in this story in Acts chapter number 11 that God opened a door. He said the gospel is for everyone. The church at Jerusalem realized that God was working. They threw aside their traditions and they got on board with what God was doing and we've seen that God did a mighty, mighty work there in the church at Antioch because they were willing to get on board with God. This morning, my question to us is, are we going through the doors that God has opened to us? Now we know in our day and time, according to the Word of God, there are no racial boundaries. And in that day, the Jews honestly thought, although they had misunderstood, they honestly thought that they were obeying the Word of God and not taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And the Lord had to clarify their misunderstanding. But in our day, we know according to the word of God, there is no group of people who we cannot take the gospel to. However, in our society, we oftentimes pick and choose what groups of people we're going to take the gospel to. And many times 
we walk past open doors while we're pursuing who we think ought to have the gospel. When God is saying, I want you to take the gospel over here. So my question to us is, are we going through the doors that God has opened to us? Not only do we need to look for doors that maybe we've not considered before, but also we need to consider the doors that we know are open. Our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, our community. Are we going through those doors with the gospel? Are we taking the gospel to those people? Are we participating in every effort to, to spread the gospel throughout our community and into the entire world? Are we sending ambassadors into the areas where the gospel is ready to be received? Are we doing our part? Are we doing all we can to get the gospel into the world? We've been commanded to saturate the entire world with the gospel. Our manual that was written for the New Testament church over and over and over emphasizes that the purpose of the church is to take the gospel to the world. It's what our purpose is. Are we going through those doors for the cause of Christ? Are we fulfilling the Great Commission? In Romans chapter number 10, Verse 12 down through verse number 15, Paul was writing here and he said, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14 he says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The gospel is available to all. But they're not going to be able to believe unless somebody is taking the gospel to them. He said in verse number 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful! are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. This passage says the gospel is available for everyone. The gospel applies to everyone. The gospel can change any and every life. The gospel can take whatever sinner you want to think of and turn them around. The gospel is able to do that. But unless somebody is taking the gospel, they're not going to be able to hear. He said, but how beautiful are the feet of those who are going through those doors and taking the gospel and telling the world about a Savior that can make a difference. This morning I ask us to honestly consider ourselves. Are we taking every opportunity to go through the doors that God has opened and spread the gospel to a world in a need of a Savior? I ask you all to stand there where you are. <clears throat> Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you say, Pastor John... I'm not doing my part to take the gospel into the whole world. Pastor John, I'm not doing my part to help send these missionaries around the world. Pastor John, I'm not doing my part. The Lord spoke to your heart as Miss Debbie plays. You come to this altar and say, Lord, help me. Maybe you are doing your part. 
that you've become lax. Say, Lord, rekindle that fire in my heart. Lord, to do what you called us to do, to take the gospel. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's never been a time when you accepted the gospel. Let me tell you this morning, the gospel is available for all. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, what your lifestyle is. It doesn't matter what other men have told you. The gospel is available for you. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior, I encourage you to come and seek the Lord. It's Miss Debbie Place. message challenges our heart and refocuses us on what the purpose of the church is and how we ought to gauge everything we do. Is it reaching others for the cause of Christ? And help the, let the Lord help us to make sure that we keep our focus right. Appreciate you being here. As I said, Aiden will be preaching this evening. If you're able to come, come on back. I know that you will get a blessing from the message. Brother C, would you dismiss us from service this morning? Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the word we just heard, Lord. Father, it challenges us, Lord, to, to take the gospel, Lord, to the world. Father, that uh, you would just help us in this endeavor, Lord, and that, Lord, we would we would tell others about this great love that you have for us, Lord, that you sent your only Son. We thank you for Jesus for dying on that cross for our many sins. Lord, we just ask your blessing uh, upon those that, Lord, that may not have heard the gospel, Lord, but, Father, that uh, soon will, Lord, and that they will come to know you. Lord, now we ask you bless uh, you uh, give us travel measures, Lord, as we get uh, home, Lord, and bring us back to the next point in time. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.